Good morning, everybody. Some of y'all are still asleep, apparently. Good morning. morning. All right, now we're awake. We're ready. David, two things, man. One, I really appreciate um, you guys living your relationship in front of us. I'm, it's good to know I'm not the only one who gets the, the eye of, we talked about this. Uh, but, but in all seriousness, thank you guys so much for sharing that testimony this morning. And in fact, we're gonna, I'm going to draw on that several times today. Uh, as, as you guys were sharing that, just the Lord was connecting dots for me this morning. And I got I to gotta connect those for you guys whenever I see it begin to happen. Um, it's good to be back with you guys again today. Um, do we have Zoom up today? I don't know if we do or not. We got it? Okay, awesome. Well, if you're on Zoom, good to have you with us this morning. Um, last week, we stepped out of our study of the book of Hebrews in order to celebrate Easter. Um, and it was, for me, it was really good. Obviously, the Lord was, was speaking through that. The hills hear that this morning. Um, but this week, we're going to jump back into our study in the book of Hebrews. But I want to take a minute to kind of remind us how we got where we are. Um, we're going to just jump back into the beginning of chapter 2 for just a minute. Um, because I want to remind us why the message that the church is receiving from the author of Hebrews, why they're getting that. Remember, they're, they're facing persecution. They're going through a very difficult time. Um, they, many of them have, have uh, lost their family relationships. They've lost their jobs as a result of um, following Christ, right? And so they are in a difficult time. And so the author of Hebrews ch- uh, starts chapter 2 by reminding the, the hearers to remember the things that they've seen and they've heard to draw on that for their source of comfort, for their, their sense of understanding. Uh, Leah, I loved all the songs this morning about grace. And you know, it's interesting how you can sing a song your whole life and then it all of a sudden will have new meaning. And Amazing Grace did that for me this morning. Um, I remember it, it brought me back to um, an experience in college. I don't remember which class it was, but we were asked in class to define grace. Um, and I, I couldn't really give a good answer for that. Today, however, I can give a very good answer for understanding grace. And so to look through the lyrics of those songs with those eyes this morning, uh, man, so, so great. It was already a great song. It meant even more for me today. And so we all need that. The, the people who are hearing this message, the Hebrew people needed to understand grace. In the next two verses, the author reminds the readers of the truth that can't be ignored, that God spoke his law. It was their belief that he did that through angels. And so he's saying, look... God has already spoken to us through the angels. He's given us the law, but now he has spoken through his son. And so if we, if we were justified in punishment because we could not keep the law, how great would it be for us? How incredibly awful would it be for us to ignore what the son of God has to say? And then he, he, he wraps out that little section by reminding us that God is using his son to reveal his plan for salvation. And that our lives need to be lived in a way that we are revealing the truth of that fact to the people around us, that we're experiencing it for ourselves, but also that other people see that in our lives. And that our motivation is not an ought to, a have to, or a should. But our motivation, like Leah talked about this morning, is love for the Father because of what He has done for us. So today as we move forward, we're going to see the author pointing out a transition that's being made in the life of Christ. And we're going to make some application of that for ourselves. This morning I had a, um, hold on, I'm arguing with the spirit here for just a second. Bear with me. Transition. 
I had a different example for this written this morning, but I feel like in the moment I need to talk about a different one. Transitions are hard, okay? In, in my life, I've shared with you guys the story of the transition in my mind from thinking about foster care as a thing that would be good to do versus being drawn by the Holy Spirit to complete that work that he had put on my life or to begin that work that he had put on my life. I reread last week in preparation for the message, a book that the Lord used to speak that into my heart, to, to, not, to get it from here, to get it to here, right? And, and I've shared with you guys before that I was reading that book on the way to Uganda. Um, it was my first trip over there. And in the combination of reading the truth in, those, in that book, the truth of Scripture, just memorize, or not memorizing, but meditating on those truths, I remember one, the morning that we had landed, um, if you've heard this story before, you know it's, it's like a 24-hour flight over there. And so our sleep schedules were all messed up, and, and we're on the other side of the world. And so there's that part of it, too. Like, not only had we not slept well, but we're on the, in a completely different time zone, um, exact opposite of what we're used to. Here's the point. As I woke up much earlier than I normally do, and I woke up before the sun came up, and there's a lot of, of Muslim people that live in that town. And so I was, as I was waking up, I opened up my, my Bible and my journal. And as I'm praying, as I'm reading, I hear the Muslim prayers coming out over the city. And I just remember in my heart that God's taking all of these things, all of this truth that I've been meditating on, the, the poverty that I've already seen, and we're just barely in the city. We got there after dark, but just the little bit that I experienced, God's beginning to transition my own heart to be broken for the things that breaks his heart. And then as we, as, we, as we traveled further into Uganda, I began to really see for the first time what poverty looks like. God used all of that. And, and I'll be honest, it was difficult to go through that process. It, it's not particularly fun when God takes something that you think you know and you understand and he goes, no, you don't have it at all. Let me rewrap your brain around this idea. So that transition was hard for me. But ultimately, as you guys know from my life, it was not only for my benefit, but for the benefit of others as well, right? Namely, my, my children, okay? But here's the thing about transitions is they're difficult. They're uncomfortable. But what I want us to see today as we look at the Scripture is that even though transitions are difficult and often uncomfortable and, and, and even more often they're kind of awkward, is that ultimately they're for our very best, God is doing a work in our lives. And, and I'll be honest, you guys don't know this, but when I, I, we, it was about three weeks ago that we met for lunch at the walk. Um, and, and at the end of that meeting, Leah said something to the effect of, um, be praying for us. We feel like the Lord is doing something big in our life. And immediately I panicked. I probably didn't show it on my face. But, but what you don't know is that they've been involved in a ministry in Germany and some other things. And we, at the beginning of the year, were praying about their involvement in that. And in my, in, my, in my innermost being, I panicked because I'm like, oh no, they're leaving us. Oh God, what are we going to do now? But I know in my heart, I, I know by experience that, that if God called them out, that it's fine. He's got it. He's got somebody else that's going to come in and, and do what they do. And Alex, um, <laughs> <laughs> he's our fall guy anyway I was I was I was panicked okay and so this morning what I got was the release of that tension as Leah and David shared what God is doing in their life but again God used that tension in my life to remind me of things that he's already spoken things that he's already doing right and, and here's here's the the truth church is all of us go through transition right 
All of us have been in a place in our, in our lives where something significant is happening and a change is being made. And if we're honest, it was uncomfortable. It may have been exciting. Sometimes they are. It depends on how you, you feel about change. Um, we always joke in my family about my younger brother. If we do something once, it's now tradition and we always have to do that thing again. And what that means is that holidays get really long, right? Because we have to do all these things. He doesn't like change. So once we do change something, like that's the way it has to stay forever. And we're a lot like that too. Um, one of the, the examples that I thought about was a time where I, I've made several career changes over my life. And, and usually those are pretty stressful for me. Because every time I've made a, a, a job change, it wasn't like I'm doing this job and I'm going to do this same job somewhere else. It was like I sell gas pump parts and now I'm going to be a full-time farmer. Or I work in a restaurant and I know how to do that. Now I'm going to go sell gas pump parts. It just, they were complete ends of the opposite ends of the spectrum. And so those have always been difficult for me. And, and if you've ever changed a job, you know what that feels like. You know that even though you may have a job description, especially if you ever worked in the church, there's always that classic line at the end of your job description that says, and anything else the pastor deems necessary, which basically means you're going to do everything, right? Y'all never seen that before? Don't ever put that on a job description for a ministry position, please, okay? <laughs> they know, okay? All right, so if you've changed a job, you know what that's like. Or I was thinking about um, if we, we got a couple of couples, one that is waiting, not so patiently, she's ready, to make that transition from, from being with child to being with child outside the body, right? Jacob and Maddie just made a transition from being a married couple to now being parents, and if you've ever made that transition, <laughs> Brittany is shaking her head. You know what that's like, right? I had a conversation with Maddie the other day, and she's like, man, I wish somebody would have just told me X, Y, Z. And my response was, they could have told you that, but it wouldn't have meant what you understand now by experience, right? Because you don't know what you don't know until you realize you don't know it, okay? But transitions are hard. I was, I was also thinking about this week and thinking about these transitions is, um, if, if you haven't had a baby or if you haven't had a job before kids, what about transitioning from grades, right? Like you go from pre-K to elementary and that's a pretty big deal. Um, and then when you're in elementary, you, you transition to third grade and your parents nearly die, okay? If you haven't got to third grade yet, heads up, it's rough, okay? Um, and then you transition from elementary to junior high, which is exciting. Um, and then from junior high to high school, maybe exciting, and then high school, we go to college, and then college is that huge transition to, okay, I studied something for a lot of years, and now I have to go find a job in that field, right? And that can be scary. All of us go through transitions, right? All of us have had these kinds of experiences before. One thing can be absolutely, and I want you to hear me on this, one thing is absolutely 100% always true in our transitions, is that if we are abiding in Christ, those transitions are for our good. If we are abiding in Christ, those transitions are for our good. And, and, and look, it doesn't always feel that way when we're going through transitions. Sometimes those transitions are really hard. We're going to see in our passage today that, that even Jesus went through transitions in life. And, and because they're a natural part of life, we can have confidence that God has a purpose in those transitions. The truth that God has, has really impressed on me this week, um, the most about this particular set of verses, is that the same is true in Jesus' transition that's 
true in our transitions, and that is that God is in control. Everything is under God's control. Here's what I thought about, and I put this on Facebook yesterday. Often when we're going through a transition, it's, it's a lot like this. Go ahead and put that up. Y'all remember this scene from Star Wars? Okay. <laughs> If you don't remember the scene, I'm going to give you a little rundown, okay? So Luke and Han are on, and Chewie are on their way to rescue Princess Leia, and they storm into the, the opening area of, of the cells where they are, and there's a lot of blaster fire going on, and Chewie's doing his, I can't do it. He's doing it, and all of this is going on, and they, they killed a couple of guards, and then the speaker comes to life, and it says, uh, uh, is everything okay in there? And Han says, uh, everything's under control, uh, situation normal. Um, how are you? Wait. You know, and then he, so there's this whole tension that's happening, right? But here's the thing, church, is often when we're going through transition in our lives, we're responding like Han. We're telling ourselves and everybody else around us that everything's under control. Our situation is normal. But was his situation normal? Was everything under control? No, it wasn't. But he was trying to convince himself more specifically. He's trying to convince the guy on the other end of that microphone that everything is okay. Look with me today at what God has for us in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, okay? Because we're about to see that everything really is okay. When we're going through those transitions, when life is difficult, it's okay. Let's read this together. This is starting in verse 5. It says, for he is not subjected to angels, the world to come that we are talking about. But someone somewhere has testified, what is man that you remember him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him lower than the angels for a short time. You crowned him with glory and honor and subjected everything under his feet. For in subjecting everything to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. As it is, we do not yet see everything subjected to them. Okay, so as you read that passage the first time, you're probably going, Will, I don't see a transition here. So let's go back and let's look at what the author of Hebrews tells us in chapter 1, verses 5 through 14, because he's pointing out in that passage that Jesus is higher than the angels, right? And we're not going to rehash all of that. You can go back and listen to that message. But he's making the argument that Jesus is higher than the angels, and it's significant. Okay, so let's read these passages together. I know it's a little bit long, so hang in there with me, because we, we need to see the transition that's happening in the life of Jesus. Verse 5, chapter 1, it says, For which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, Today I have become your father, or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. Again, when he brings his firstborn in the world, he says, and let all God's angels worship him. And about the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his servants a fiery flame. But to the son, your throne, God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. This is why God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. And in the beginning, Lord, you established the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like clothing. You will roll them up like a cloak and they will be changed like clothing. But you are the same and your years will never end. Now to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit their salvation? You see, in chapter 1, the author of Hebrews is making the argument that Jesus is higher than the angels. But look back with me, Anna, click back to chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. 
He says, for he has not subjected to the angels the world to come that we are talking about. It says you in verse 7, you made him lower than the angels for a short time. And you crowned him with glory and honor. So in chapter 1, he's saying that Jesus is higher than the angels. And then we see this transition happen where Jesus gives up his throne and he becomes lower than the angels, right? And we talk about that when we talk about the birth of Christ, that he comes into the world born of a virgin on our behalf. Our passage is pointing out a purposeful transition that Jesus made from greater to lesser for a little while, right? So transitions, they're part of, of who, what all of us experience in life. In this, in this passage, and I love the way it says this, it said someone somewhere, right? That's the way I quote stuff. Somebody, somebody I don't know who it was, but somebody said this. I'll, y'all hear me? I read in a book, I don't remember which one it was, but it said X, Y, Z. But he's, he's pointing back to Psalm chapter 8. Let's read that together because I want you to see something, okay? Starting in verse 1, it's not long. It says, Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty, From the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy of the avenger. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place, what is a human being that you remember him? A son of man that you look after him. Hearing a little echo from David's testimony this morning. Y'all hearing that? You made him little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. All the sheep and oxen, as well as the animals in the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the world, throughout the earth. The author is using the words of this psalm to exalt the person of Christ, who for a little while became less than the angels. He's drawing our attention to what we celebrated last week. Last week we celebrated the fact that Christ died in our place, that he took the punishment that we deserved so that God could redeem the relationship that we destroyed. And the author of Hebrews is pointing out that transition that happened in the life of Christ where he gave up everything in order to save us. He made a transition, and it was uncomfortable, and it was awkward, and it was for our good. So what happens next? We know this story, right? Jesus is raised to life. He gives his followers some last advice, and then he returns to his throne. But is that the end of the story? Is it? No, it's not. If you're wondering what the answer to that question is, that is not the end of the story. There's a lot of Bible that happens after that, right? We're in the middle of the world's longest transition, church. We are awaiting Christ's return, aren't we? We're in the middle of a transition. Look at um, this, this is one of the commentaries I read said this this week. It says, the intervening time between the exaltation and the consummation of Christ's rule allows for God's mission of reconciliation as the church proclaims forgiveness in Christ. However, this in-between time also involves suffering for the church since Christ's domination of the powers, while being real, has yet to be fully realized. The second part of the transition has not happened yet. And so, why do we have this time? Why has it been so long? 
It's been so long because God loves this world and He is giving ample time for as many people as possible to come to a saving knowledge of who Jesus is. And so this transition that we find ourselves in often is uncomfortable. But it's for the good of the world. That's why we're here. Look, look at it, what it says in verse 8. Because if you're thinking, uh, Will, what are you talking about? In the, in the second half, the B part, it says, As it is, we do not yet see everything subjected to Him. What that is telling us, God was above the angels. Jesus was above the angels. He made Himself lower. Now He's back above the angels again. But the world has not been fully subjected to Him yet. And that will not happen until He returns. So we are living in the transition. You know, often when we struggle with transition, I meant to say this earlier and I missed it, what people struggle with the most is uncertainty, right? Like when Leah drops that bomb on me of God's doing something really big in our lives, we're not sure what it is yet, the, the bomb for me was the uncertainty of, oh no, what's she talking about? And it's okay for you to not tell me what, what God's doing in your life, that's normal, right? Okay? But none of us like uncertainty, and the problem that we've often faced in our lives, you know, we talked several weeks ago about how tension tempts us to turn away, right? The reason that we are tempted to turn away is because we don't like the tension. We don't like the uncertainty of life. We don't like knowing when the baby's coming, right? And we want to know when the baby's coming. Like, we want to schedule that thing, and then we got a plan, and we can work it, but just sitting around waiting is not much fun. But that's where we find ourselves, right? There's, there's awkwardness sometimes in our walk with the Lord, in our walk with other people, until Jesus comes back, we're living in a transitional phase. And it's going to be uncomfortable at times. And it's okay. It's okay because God is in control of it. But church, it's necessary for us to endure that awkward uncomfortableness. I don't even think that's a word. But you know what I'm saying. It's necessary for us to endure that so that we can share the truth of the gospel with other people. We're here, right? We know the truth. So instead of just floundering in the awkwardness, let's make use of it. Let's talk about the goodness of God. I want you to think about this, okay? Because when we talk about sharing the gospel, and we've, pro- we've talked about this a lot over the years, but, and I hope you're becoming more comfortable with it and understanding what I mean when I say sharing the gospel, but we a lot of times get real nervous anytime somebody talks about sharing the gospel, right? But I want you to think about this. It might be awkward for us to begin that conversation, but think about how relieved you were when you understood for the first time the truth of the gospel and you were able to experience the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That was worth your time, wasn't it? It's worth your life. And sometimes we've got to bridge that awkward gap so that somebody else gets the opportunity to experience that in their own life. This, this journey that you guys are beginning, you're going to bridge a real uncomfortable gap so that a little boy or a little girl can know the love of Christ, can know the love of a mother and father. And that's worth everything. That's worth everything. The truth that all of us need to hear and internalize this morning is that the awkwardness of the transition that we feel in ministry and in life is normal. Jesus experienced that while he walked here on the earth. All that we do, if we're abiding, is under God's control. 
because we are following his lead. And so even when it feels like the world is falling apart around us, if we are pursuing the Lord and our intent is to be obedient to what he's called us to do, he is going to be in control of those things. And when we start feeling anxious about those things, we need to remember this truth. Everything's under control. Situation is normal. Okay? Everything's under control. Okay, so what do we do with this information? Okay, so you, you, you're probably thinking, great, well, you just dropped a bombshell on me that this awkwardness is my life. Now what? What do we do with that? How do we internalize this so that it makes a change in our own lives? First thing you need to do is talk to Jesus about it. There's a, a song that came out recently by Brandon Lake, which I normally don't recommend his stuff because he made some weird, goofy ministry decisions. But anyway, this one's good. It's a story. It's like a country song, right? It's a progression of a story. And it's called Talk to Jesus. And he tells this story about how he heard his grandma praying when he was younger and he kind of thought she was a little bit crazy, but she was talking to Jesus. And then as he gets older, his mom drug him to church every Sunday and every Wednesday. And she said, one day you're going to thank me for this because you're going to be talking to Jesus. And then he talks about how his 14 year old son comes in one day when he's praying and he says, I'm sorry, dad, it looks like you got a lot on your mind. I'll come back later. He says, oh no, son, you couldn't have picked a better time. Come on in. Let's talk to Jesus. Church, often when we are feeling the uncomfortableness of life, instead of talking to Jesus, we just back away from it. One of the best things we can do is to just talk to him. Tell him how you feel. Talk about what's going on in your life. It's normal for us to struggle with the difficulties in life. If we didn't struggle, something is wrong, right? But don't go it alone. Step back from your limited perspective and ask God for his perspective because often when things are difficult, it's because we have our blinders on. We have a very narrow view of our own life and the lives of people around us. And when we talk to God about that and we take a step back, we give God a moment to give us a clearer picture, we begin to see more of what he's doing and we begin to see the value of what's happening in our lives. Second thing we need to do is be like Jesus. Look at Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 with me. This popped up in one of my devotions this week. It said, therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Church, I don't know if you know this, but the world does not revolve around you. It's true. You heard it here today. Okay. But often we act as if it does, right? We're thinking about our own needs constantly. But we need to be more like Jesus. Again, motivated by his love, not because you, your pastor told you you had to. But be more like Jesus. He gave up his throne to live in transition with us. And so there's going to be a time in your life, a day in your life, many days in your life, where Jesus is going to say, we'll step off your throne and live in the transition with my people. Be like Jesus. Rely on God and do only what he tells you to do. Forget the rest of the stuff. That's not important. Follow him, pursue him. We're not alone in the daily struggle and, 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 and the uncertainty and the awkwardness that comes with transition. All of us feel this because all of us have the same call in our lives. All of us are called by Jesus to share the gospel to share the truth of what we've heard and what we've seen and what we've experienced. It's not easy, and we're going to need one another's encouragement for help. I don't know if you guys, maybe you're going to see this in just a second, but if you were here for the kids' stuff, 
they talk specifically about, what's that little girl's name? I can't remember the, the character. Callie talked about us sharing community with one another. The benefit of that, okay? To be like Jesus by loving well, and a, and a big part of that is loving people well. And it's showing them that everything under God control, but often we need help doing that. When God puts somebody in your life and, and he calls you to love them well, you look at the areas of need in their life and it's overwhelming. You go, I, I can't do that. I can't commit that amount of time to a person. Church, that's why God's called us to live in community. We share that load together. The, the other day, we um, were getting ready to build a retaining wall in our yard because it was destroyed by the two hurricanes. And so I went and bought a pallet of the, of the stones that you make a retaining wall with and I brought it home and Bethany and the kids and I all got out there and we unloaded this whole pallet. And I said, kids, I want you to, Bethany had painted a line on the ground where we we're going to put the wall. And I said, we're just going to stack them in sets of two all along this so that when we dig the, the thing, we don't have to move them again. They're right there where they need to be, right? Makes sense. Well, then a couple of days later, my dad comes home with a mini excavator and I'm like, ha ha, instead of digging this by hand, I'm going to use a machine. Okay. Well, guess what? Now all the blocks are in the way. And I'm looking at all these blocks. I'm going, well, that was a really great idea, but now they're in the way. Man, this is going to take me an hour to move all these by myself. Hey, kids, come on over. So it would have taken me an hour, took literally like 10 minutes. There's value in us working together. It lightens the load. Y'all know this, this scripture, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. When Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Y'all know what a yoke is, right? I'm not talking about in an egg. Okay? That's a yoke. A yoke, Y-O-K-E, is the thing that goes either on the oxen or the, the horse or mule or whatever it is that's pulling the load. And when the load is too heavy, you don't just whip the mule. You attach another one. When our load of ministry gets heavy, we need to understand that God is not giving us all of that burden to bear on our own. He's called us to live in community, to bear those burdens together. When the difficulties of life, when the awkwardness of ministry is, is pressing in on you and you feel like you can't handle anymore, it's because you're not supposed to. It's because God has put brothers and sisters around you who love Him as well. But until we voice that we need help, nobody's going to know. And so we've got to be vulnerable enough to say, y'all, this is hard and I, I need some help carrying this load. You guys are going to need some help carrying this load that the Lord's put before you. But I'm going to say this and you already know, but this is your champions right here. These people are going to help hold you up and carry that. So, sometimes life's going to seem upside down. And when it does, the enemy is going to be in your ear and he ain't going to be whispering. He is going to be yelling in your ear that you are not good enough, that you are not capable, how messed up your life is. And when that happens, remember that the author of Hebrews is telling a group of people who desperately, who desperately needed to be reminded of the things that they have seen and heard, that they are not alone. And that Jesus made this incredible transition so that we could know Him. Church, we, we are called to live in that transition. To live in the awkward, to be in the uncomfortable, so that others may know the joy that we have found in Jesus. Let's pray together.
Jesus, I'm so thankful that, that you give us passages like this that help us to see that the struggles that we have are not unique to us. God, often I, I get in my own head and I think nobody else is dealing with this issue right now. It's just me. God, I'm so thankful that you give, that you give us insight into your word, that you can show us that, that even Jesus had to go through a difficult transition. Several, in fact. So, Father, in my life and the lives of my brothers and sisters in this room, as we are struggling with life, with the awkwardness, with the uncomfortableness, with the difficulties, God, quickly bring to mind this truth that everything is under your control. It's going to be okay. God, help us to rely on you, not on our own wisdom, not on our own strength, but in you and the body, the community that you have placed around us. And, Father, use this transitional time in the, the redemptive history of this world. God, use it to share your truth through us, through your people. God, give us a desire, a passion for that. Not, not birthed out of, out of anything other than a desire for people to know you the way that we get to know you. Motivated by your love and by your grace. Jesus, we love you so much and we're so thankful that we get to be in this transition with you and not alone. Father, we love you. Amen. Go ahead and stand. Let's sing together.